0: the Child Discipleship Podcast. My name is Melanie Hester, and I'm so glad that we have this time together today. You're going to be listening to a conversation with Phil and Diane Comer. And if you're a regular listener on the podcast, you've come to realize that we love the Comers here at Iwana. The Comers are incredibly passionate about resourcing parents with discipleship tools like our Advent series, which is available on childdiscipleship.com for families to come together and remember the coming of the Savior and prepare their hearts in the midst of the hustle and bustle of the season to talk about Jesus. This conversation was recorded at the Child Discipleship Forum, where they were speakers, and their full talk is available at childdiscipleship.com. But for now, here's
1: that conversation with Phil and Diane. Hello, and welcome back to our online room. Friends, for the past hour, we have been covering some very heavy topics. We've talked about loving orphans. We've talked about children that are facing trauma, the suicide rates, and just some really, really heavy topics. I mentioned yesterday, um, you know, I was, I was raised in a broken family, But my church family was not broken and they came alongside my family and they loved them and they raised me and i'm so thankful and we are so thankful for those of you that are sitting in churches right now that you're sitting in your office right now and you are learning how to disciple the young shaunas like me and you are the ones that are changing the lives of those little ones that are in your care and we thank you but you know, there's a question as I, as I got older and as I had my own kids, the thought that kept coming back to me was, I wanted something different for my daughters. I wanted them to be raised as resilient disciples. But to be super honest, I didn't know how. I am so thankful to be joined by Phil and Diane Comer today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, our joke is that I would just love to sit and listen and learn and glean some expertise from you. But Diane, I wanted to start with you and your testimony of how you learned to be a loving mother, how you learned to disciple your children. What was that path that brought you to the point that you're at now?
2: Well as God so often does, it was through brokenness. Mm -hmm. Um, I also was not raised in a, well, certainly not a Christian home, not a, a Jesus following home. And, um, the brokenness that I came out of in my family was when I became a Christian at fifteen. Same story, Shauna. Um, that I, I jokingly say the church saved me mm-hmm. um, because really it's the church that raised me from fifteen yes. on and showed me what it meant to be a godly woman, to be uh, to express love in healthy ways. Mm-hmm. And um, but out of that brokenness, we held John Mark, who's coming, who was here last Mm -hmm. year and coming in February, um, we held John Mark in our hands and we realized, oh my goodness, we have no idea how to pass on our faith to this boy. Who's going to do this? Who's going to lead him to Jesus? Or who's going to show him the way of Jesus, how to live the way of Jesus? We were just figuring it out ourselves and Phil came from a really strong and loving home but also not followers of Jesus but I really came from brokenness. Mm-hmm. So God just in the beautiful way that he does brought beautiful women alongside me. Just uh, I didn't even know what kind of questions to ask. Mm-hmm. And they showed me the way of Jesus at home, the way of Jesus in conflict in in training your children in not using anger as a means of control and all the kinds of things that my mom wasn't able to, you know, live out in our lives. Thankfully, my my parents both came to know Jesus a little bit later. Oh, and so beautiful transformation. Mm-hmm. What a great thing it is, too, for, for children in your home to see God actually transform you. It was my first real understanding of oh my gosh, if if Jesus, the Spirit of God, can change my mom, mm-hmm. He can change everything. He can do anything. Mm-hmm. And it, it really led to a great deal of trust in me. So really it was several women who showed me this is the way, uh, this is the way a mom following Jesus pours out to her kids.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. So we're talking to a lot of children's ministry leaders, but a lot of those children's ministry leaders are obviously also parents. And so, Phil, if, if we were just to sit and talk and you were going to sit down right on the couch with these leaders and you were to say, here's how you raise a disciple in your home. What's the first thing you would say? Oh, what would wow. you say to them? This is, this is the first thing you need to do.
3: It depends on how much time I have, <laughs> but,
1: well, we have about fourteen minutes yeah, and forty no, uh, seconds now <laughs>
3: uh, you know, we were talking before uh, before we started this interview about uh, parents who who people who are now now young parents mm-hmm. who have their own trauma mm-hmm. from their own upbringing mm-hmm. and they don't want to pass some of their wounds onto their kids. And we've run into that a lot where parents are, are worried that, oh my gosh, I'm going to damage my kids. Like my parents damaged me. And it's a very common thing. And and I think (laughs) the bottom line is we're all broken people in the process once we come to Jesus, we're brand new creations and the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And yet, then God begins the work of sanctification, molding right. us into the very image of Jesus. And so, of course, we're gonna hurt our kids. But when we learn to quickly ask their forgiveness, you know, we're actually modeling for them, hey, I'm, I'm living under the authority right. of the Lord and He's changing me. But the beautiful thing is, if any man, 2 Corinthians five seventeen, if any man or woman is in Christ, they're a new creation, the old is gone, Behold, new things have come. So your story that you had growing up doesn't have to be your kid's right. story. Right. That's what's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you you can um, say, you know what? I because we we learn from others' successes. We also learn from others' failures. Right. Like, right. My mom was great at this, or she really we wanted me in this. So I want to make sure I don't make that mistake. But I want to make sure that I do do this with my kids. Right. And I just think it's such a beautiful thing. It's a fresh slate. It's a clean slate. And, you know, I would, when I was just thinking in the Old Testament, because I, I love the Bible, there's so many times when a godly king has an ungodly son <laughs> yes. and an ungodly king has, has a, godly a godly son. Godly son. Right. So, like here in Second uh, in Kings 21, a lot of people don't read Second Kings. <laughs> it's talking about Amnon. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. But then he has a son named Josiah. Mm -hmm. He becomes king when he's eight, and he does what's right in the sight of the Lord. So I just feel like it doesn't really matter what your story is when you're an all-in Jesus follower you can pass that on to your kids. So we like to say you can't pass on what you don't possess. Absolutely. But you can pass on what you do possess. So that's where it starts. It starts with with you as a couple, you as a, a woman of God, as a man of God, actually becoming personally an an authentic all in passionate Jesus follower, and you live that way in your home, you love your wife well in my case, and when I hurt her with unkind words, which I still do, <laughs> I ask her forgiveness and and then once she's forgiven me, I have to do the work of of um reconciliation, you know, and mm-hmm. so our kids see that, and they mm-hmm. live under it, and then we begin to model for them because values are another thing I, I says values are taught, but they're caught more than they're taught. So the first thing I'd say is to their parents, home. like be mm-hmm. a godly mom, mm-hmm. be a godly husband, ha- have one of the greatest gifts you can ever give your kids after leading them to Jesus. That's the greatest gift because then they'll be with you for all eternity is the gift of a good marriage. Absolutely. If they grow up in a home where mom and dad love each other and Jesus is the center and there's love in that home and there's security in that home. Sure they have to make their own decision one day, but why would they choose otherwise?
1: Right, so. right, for sure. So if we're raising disciples, obviously we want it to start in our heart. We, we talked about revival yesterday, we need the revival of our heart. We know that we want to model in our home gospel conversations, and then we also want to intentionally teach our kids about Jesus. So what did that look like in your home? You know if, if we can go back a few years, how were you into little, little John Mark and how were you teaching your children intentionally about Jesus in your home?
3: I want? Helped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I Shameless. No. <laughs> I
3: want a scripture memory. Oh. Back in the day, it was King James. We had to get permission to not mm-hmm. use the King James. But uh, <laughs> scripture memory is huge. I don't yeah. know, what would you add to that, babe?
2: I, I think um, the other thing is they saw us every day because the church that we got saved in, a strong emphasis was the spiritual mm-hmm. discipline of getting up every morning and having what we called a quiet time. Uh-huh. And so they woke up to us every morning, climbed into our laps, reading the our Bibles, but not just for information, just really connecting with God. So I think they saw the everyday realness of of what it meant to walk with Jesus. But then Phil did this great thing of having, we call them family Bible times. So every night when we were home, I was usually cleaning up the dishes, kind of glad to be free. (laughs) You had a few minutes to yourself, (laughs) right? Right?
3: Like she can clean a kitchen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I took my time, and he would have the kids kind of all around him, usually laying on the floor with uh, like a picture Bible or something like that, Mm -hmm. and just talking about the Bible and Mm -hmm. the Word of God and bringing it, because he's fun, bringing it into the real life of the Comer family. And I think that establishing all of our kids, honestly, a real love for the Word. Wow. And I wonder sometimes, was it in the beginning, if it was just a little bit those warm, fuzzy feelings mm-hmm. that your whole body remembers from when you were little and connected with those times that were just that special like memory. teaching the Bible. It was laughter and popcorn and and fun, and sometimes they'd fall asleep right there in the middle yeah, of it. Yeah. But it was that feeling of warmth that brought them back later in their lives to love the Word of God. What a precious
1: memory.
3: Yeah, another thing, uh, just real quick, is so since they grew up experiencing that, like John will say, one of his earliest memories is getting up every morning and seeing Diane with her pot of tea and her Bible open, mm-hmm. and it's just etched in his mind. But when, when they've observed that for years and suddenly now they can read mm-hmm. and you've been reading the Bible to them, now you say, okay, now I'm going to help you read the Bible for yourself. Yes. And then it just becomes a natural thing. Okay, go do what you saw mom did. And you have to help them out. Hey, read Psalm 1, mm-hmm. read these three verses in Proverbs, mom's making breakfast, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, made, I try to make everything fun. I call it the nub-nub rule, no Bible, no breakfast. <laughs> but I made it fun, you know? It wasn't hardcore.
1: <laughs> so now that you are becoming grandparents... So how many grandkids do you have? Let's talk about that for
3: wow. a minute. Well, we had seven until three months ago. Now we have a three-month-old baby boy, Ellis, oh, in L.A. Wow. That's number eight. And then our youngest son, Matthew, Jamar's little brother, they're having a baby boy in, in December. So, have so we'll have another boy. We'll have nine, God willing, in December. Awesome.
1: So tell me what discipleship looks like as grandparents. Ooh. How, does that, how uh, does that change? What's that
2: look like? Fun. I think it looks like so much fun. Um, our kids are really doing a good job at their, with raising their children. I feel like we laid a foundation for them as purposeful and intentional as we could. Um, but still, some limited understanding and knowledge. They have built on that foundation and gone far further than we ever could, bringing us along, too. So now the role we get to play in their kids' life is just so fun. We don't have any of the worries about them. They're not our primary responsibility. <laughs> we just get all the fun. You get
1: all the fun and time. We
2: feel like one of the most important things that we can do for them is just have a relationship, you know, just see them mm-hmm. and study them and know them, their likes and their dislikes, their fears, their failures, um, and connect them at every point that we can to a real relationship. Not so much knowledge about Jesus. That's on John, Mark, and Tammy, mm-hmm. and Rick and Elizabeth, Ours is to help them to experience the love of Christ mm-hmm. through us personally, but um, also just an everyday conversation. So a lot of it is just listening now as some of them are getting older.
3: Awesome. You know, and coming alongside is so powerful. So we get all the fun, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pastor Greg Laurie, who I admire from afar, said grandkids are God's blessing. For upon you for all you put up raising your own kids. <laughs> in other words, you get to do all the fun stuff. But seriously, we, we, but people that are in your stage, Shauna, mm-hmm. ask us all the time like, about how can I help my parents help more?
2: Mm-hmm. Because
3: you know the American sure. retirement thing, make as much money as you can, as fast as you can. You go, go
1: retire somewhere. Spot, retire
3: right. in your favorite spot right. and see your kids once in a while. That's not in the Bible. We have the privilege of coming alongside John Mark and Tammy and Brooke and Elizabeth mm-hmm. and Rebecca and Steve and now Matt and Simona and be there to undergird when those when those our grandchildren when their kids hang out with us and we're saying the same stuff their parents are saying they see this heritage yeah. flow down which is God's design that each Psalm
1: generation 78. In yes, yeah. Psalm That's 78. Yes, Psalm
3: 78 in action. So we're we we've been being asked to write stuff now for grandparents because that they see this high and fruitful and fulfilling calling, you know, mm-hmm. that we have and so we're stepping into it yeah. with joy.
1: Oh, that's wonderful. So we have time for one more question. This is one that I would really like to hear your answer on. How do we help our children and our grandchildren love the church? So we're talking to, you know, children's ministry leaders from across the country, some across the world. We want them to love the body of believers and love the church, love the people that helped raise people like me. How do we help them do that?
3: Well. (laughs) <laughs> we got a lot to say about that. Yeah. So you, one thing I'd say for parents is don't criticize the church to your kids.
1: Yes. Mm, don't
3: go home mm-hmm. and say, man, the sermon was long today. Yeah. You know, that's the worst. <laughs> we
1: missed lunch. <laughs> yeah.
3: right. uh, and, and so I think yeah, they're going to love the church if you love the church. Right. Now, that's mm-hmm. assuming you're bringing them to a church that has the joy of Jesus, and mm-hmm. that's important yeah. too. But, mm-hmm. you know, Diane, you wanted to make Sunday the best day, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because actually goes back to me not understanding how how to help our kids love the church mm-hmm. what woke me up one day when uh john Mark was eight and you know how an eight-year-old they don't keep track of the day of the week and he said what day is it tomorrow and when i said sunday his shoulders just fell his countenance fell he said oh that is the worst day of the week so as you as i said before the out of weakness, you learn things right. Well, mm-hmm. that just took hold of my heart. Sure. And I realized it was the worst day of the week because in a pastor's home with four kids, I was making it the worst day of the week by over Busyness, over, chaos. putting pressure on yeah. myself on things that were not important. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of came up with the yeah. strategy. Of how was I going to make it the best, best day decision. of the week? And yeah. switched all of our priorities. Stopped trying to impress anybody with the meal and the preparations. And just making it a fun day. And But that really just impressed on us for for how much we are the gatekeepers as to whether our kids Mm -hmm. will love the church. And we were in beautiful, wonderful, loving churches. So none of us ever experienced what I understand some people do, just some real hurt from the church. But in our case, as parents, we are the ones who had to make it the best day. And
1: you were the gatekeeper of that. Phil and Diane, thank you so much for your love and for your expertise.
3: Child Discipleship Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org donate. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation, as well as information about other podcasts from Awana. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.